0: This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey
2: everybody, the Cleveland Browns have 10 wins. We're an hour, maybe two hours, I don't know. Afterwards, Um, it's no longer Sunday night, it's Monday morning. I'm Zach Jackson, I'm joined by Jason Lloyd. The 10 and 4 Cleveland Browns, um, well Jason, that was an easy one, that was a simple one. I don't really have anything else to say. You ready to go to bed? Yeah, good night. We're done. Yeah, it was a good night. Um, You know, the Giants were – they're not a common opponent, right? They have a good defense. They're missing their best corner. They don't have a good offense. They had Colt McCoy. Um, You know, if you knew the Browns – if the Browns played a clean game, they were going to win. And I think, you know, you had what happens. You had a competitive start. The Giants drove right down the field, um, thanks in part to another special teams error by the Browns. The Giants tried to get tricky. They didn't. The Browns settled in. And and obviously Baker Mayfield went on to have an incredible game, Um, his fourth really good game in a stretch of four. But the first thing you noticed is Kevin Stefanski, who's calm, who's cool, who always just seems to have such a great feel for the game, immediately went to the pass and not the run. It worked. Guys were open. Passes were on time. The Browns ended up having two 95-yard scoring drives. Uh, one was capped by the run, but, but the pass, converting third downs, hitting guys over the middle was the key there. And um, you, know, you can just tell it from watching, Baker, this is, this is a different offense than it was a month ago.
1: Yeah, uh, You
2: know, I tweeted during
1: the game, like, sorry, I got nothing for you. Uh, <laughs> it's not exciting. It's not thrilling. The Browns are the better team. They knew they were the better team. They handled it as the better team. They just whip the Giants at the line of scrimmage at the point of the attack, and like that that that's it. Like this is what good teams do in the NFL. They come in, they take care of business, and they go home. And I know that's so strange and foreign and unusual, but like that's the new bar for the for for your Cleveland Browns is is just coming in, handling business. It wasn't theatric. It wasn't the craziness that we had last week with the Ravens. They just came in and played a solid game and and really kind of whipped the Giants' ass after the first quarter.
2: No, they sure did. Um, you know the story of the day in the NFL is the Jets win a game, right? <laughs> um, and and it, that was in the four o'clock window, so it took it right up to the Browns' game. I was able to watch much of the second half and you know the ramifications for that. Well, it wasn't that long ago, Jason, that the Browns were the Jets, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. You know now. I've spent the last hour or so um, trying to write this playoff scenarios thing, which it's it's difficult because it's really clouded. If the Browns win, they're in. If not, there's like six or eight different ways it can go. But here was a situation where the Browns were facing a hangover game. The Browns were facing another team that needed a win. And the Giants do have a really quality defense. And throughout the night, the the Giants front gave the Browns some trouble. And that's what you're going to encounter, right? But – Past the first 10 minutes, it was never really in doubt. And that too is such progress, right? I mean, Baker goes over 300. They end up having a loss on a pass play so he doesn't finish with it. Somebody tweets out it's a franchise record for accuracy. It's not. It's still 84%. It's good. But what I wrote and what I'm saying now is it's not in the numbers. It's not digging down. I mean, the numbers for this game are what you think they are. The Browns dominated. It's just watching and saying, hey, like, there was a business like approach and there was a high level of play again to the point that it's become the expectation, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, you know, I was starting to dig in the numbers before we recorded this since the buy. And I, I feel like that, I feel like the Raiders game, maybe I'm putting too much on this, but I feel like the Raiders game kind of revealed to Stefanski and Baker. I, I think it was an important step in their relationship. I just think that week off, and I, I'm I'm looking at the numbers now. Since the bye, Baker's sixth in quarterback rating. Like, I, you could knock me over with a feather right now. Because I knew that his numbers were good the last four weeks. But, you know, you go all the way back to the bye week, and, and that game was trash. And the, the weather played a factor and whatever else. But that, that was a trash game for the Browns going into the bye. And I remember thinking, boy, it's a good thing they beat the Bengals. Because otherwise they'd be riding a three-game losing streak into the bye, and it would be here we go again, and it's the same old Browns. And but but it's not. And and coming out of that, you know, the 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 play action has really kind of spiked. And I was I was looking over the numbers, and I just feel like we have 14 games now. And of course, I tried asking Kevin this, and of course he didn't answer it after the game because Kevin didn't answer anything. (laughs) But you know, how much better do these guys know each other than they did in August? How much better of a feel? does Kevin have of Baker and what he needs and where to put him? Because that's the only way to really explain this. The the spike in the play action plays from the first half of the season, the second half is significant. And Baker just looks so much more comfortable. You know, I was joking. I I put this on Twitter. I I had a friend text me and say, it looks like Baker's putting some, some touch on his passes now and he's not trying to throw everything, you know, through the guy, through the receiver. And I said, this is Ricky Vaughn in Major League Two, where he's got the skull glasses back on and the leather jacket back on. Like, this is Rookie Baker. He's back. And I don't know where the hell he went last year and the first few games this year, but this is the guy that the Browns thought they were getting. This is the development that, that we thought we would build off of in year one. It's back now. I contributed a lot to kind of the growth between Kevin and Baker and kind of knowing. I bet you Baker now knows what's coming before the play call even comes in. I bet you he has a pretty good idea of that. Uh, and it just. You, you just have this symbiotic relationship of, of these two guys who are growing together, who are getting to know each other, and the benefit or the, the proof is in the numbers.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, Stefanski's Mr. Kalmakul, right? And, and of course, he's wearing the mask, and we don't really know him because he's only been here for 11 months. And that's as long as most guys stay, right? <laughs> it's been a pandemic. But you, you get the point that you know, just from watching him, following him, that he doesn't get too high or low, right? That you're right. Like, there is a plan, and, of course, you don't play by the chart. You don't – there's never a straight line in a football game, right? But, like, he, he pretty much goes on to the next play. Well, that's not Baker. That's not his personality. That's not his makeup. And it hasn't been his play chart, right, or his play,
1: period, um, that's great. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great, you point. know,
2: so yeah. Like do I think Baker seems a little more mature and a little calmer with things? Sure. And it's easy to do that when, you know, you're finally winning, but I just think whether you're one of those people that digs into the coach's film or not. Right. And even if you are, you don't know what the calls are. You don't know what the reads are, all, all that stuff. You You just see organic growth in body language and in the coach giving him opportunities, right? And in just the way they're going about their business. So playing well at the right time is a total cliche. But it's how you win in sports. It's how seasons become special and magical and in how you separate yourself, right? And so we don't know where the Browns are gonna end up. Um, We don't know how this stretch will be looked upon, hell, four weeks from now, let alone three years from now as this thing continues to evolve. But there is without a doubt and by multiple measures, growth in this offense, confidence from this quarterback, and doors being opened up by this coach and quarterback that simply weren't open or they weren't even trying to knock on a month ago. Is, Is that a fair way to say it?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I want to stay on this for one for one more second. And I don't mean to put you on the spot and but and but you you understand the stuff. I've told you a million times, you understand this so much better. The the boot stuff makes sense to me. He's a little bit smaller, move the pocket, get him out where you can see, get him on the run. That makes sense. But that seems to be and tell me if I'm wrong. We didn't see a whole lot of that. The play action seems to be replacing the boot in a lot of this offense. And tell me why play action is so important to Baker and why his numbers are so much there's some plays where he sells it a lot a lot better than he does there's times where he's not really carrying it out and he's not really and there's other times where you don't know where the ball is he he does it so well why do you think that is so much more important to this offense right now because I always thought like rolling him out and getting him on the run was going to be was the key to success in the last few weeks and tell me if I'm wrong I don't feel like that's been the case I feel like it's been the play action
2: yeah, it certainly wasn't tonight, and Jason, a lot. Of, it just comes down to, first, the coverage, and second, where you're trying to go with the ball. So, the Giants sit back in zone a lot more than the previous two teams that they played, right? And then, you look at the Giants and the Ravens, they watched those bootlegs in the play action, and they watched how the Titans just had no clue, and Baker got out of the pocket and did whatever he wanted, so that's what they're trying to take away. So, I just think tonight they knew they had a good matchup with Higgins specifically. Um, you know since Jarvis has gotten healthier, he hasn't found a matchup he doesn't like, right. So a lot of that comes down to situation. And, and also tonight, they weren't running it real well. I mean Chubb finally broke through, right yeah. but yeah. it seems like from the numbers that Kareem Hunt is not or was not a hundred percent. they lose you know they didn't have their starting guard. And a really good one, they lose their second string guard on the second play of the game and they have to go to a rookie who's never been there. So I think it's it was just situationally of when you're really running it downhill at people or when Chubb is murdering on those cutbacks and the safeties yeah. and linebackers have to come to that, then then the play action is there. So that, that is the thing. I mean, th- this, this is the perfect marriage. Um, and again, we, you don't know how long those last. Of of system of Baker's skill set and of what the Browns are good at and and that's what's so important that weeks t- games ten through fourteen it's been totally different than it was before, but as as for how those things evolve it just comes down to these things and, and honestly if we were sitting here with Kevin Stefanski bullshitting about things and talking about whatever I mean I would just say like you know. I'm sarcastic, and I think I know what I'm talking about, and oftentimes I do, and many times I don't. But so many coaches and so many systems of watching this team for so long, I would sit there and say, oh, my God, this has no chance. But when this offense breaks the huddle, I say, I don't know where this ball is going. And lately when it leaves Baker's hands, I just think it's going to a guy in an orange helmet. And that is so, so, so different from the past.
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned Nick Harris. I want to get to him in a second. But I want to ask you, you asked Baker about the touchdown to Jarvis. And he I thought he gave a great answer. Like, he really broke the play down. Why did you ask him about that and just and walk through that, that touchdown and, and
2: tell us what, well, what he said he saw? Yeah, so I, I, I'm not at the game um, tonight. I, I wasn't on the trip, so I'm watching on TV like everyone else. And I watched the play. And I see Najoku open. I don't see Jarvis right. Then on the replay, you get the back angle, and and you see um, that Jarvis is not necessarily open, but it's well placed. It's it's a great catch. It's probably a better pass than catch. But I, I just wanted to see him, um, you know, take me through that because I, I'm trying to learn on this offense of you know where where they're supposed to go and why, like. Sometimes when I am at the games, Jason, I sit there and I see the designs on the screen passes or on some of the routes. And I just think to myself, oh, my God, that's that's beautiful. Right. Well, watching it on TV specifically until you see the replay or until you get some insight on who was where you don't you don't know that. Right. It's just good, good throw or good catch or what an idiot, (laughs) you know. So
1: Baker Baker
2: said Baker said on that answer
1: that in was the inside receiver. You saw him stumble. So he got off him. And then he went back and saw, and I'm sure the Joker told him, hey, you know, I was open. And he went back and saw yeah. the still frame of it, and he well, was and that,
2: open. It, look, and this is, the whole, this is the whole rub with Baker, and this is part of his progress. You know, he that one was a design rollout. Tonight I thought he made a lot more throws from the pocket. Yes. I mean, the knock on him is that in the pocket he can't see or he can't get off his first guy, right? And so many times in the NFL you have to sit there and get there. And there is – there are options drawn up on every pass play for that second third fourth so i'm always fascinated to hear what it was especially because this offense is new and especially because it's working right so um you know tomorrow or tuesday at some point i'll be able to get on the game pass and go watch the coaches film of that and marry that to baker's answer and kind of have a better understanding but i just i wanted him to take through it because like you know frankly baker can be a prick but he's been really good on the field and his answers have been really good. And I just had a feeling that that would be a great football answer that would show up in stories and podcasts. And, and I think I guessed right on that. So, um, yeah, you know, that's, I, I just, I guess what I'm saying is until I actually go watch it, I can't go in, into any more, more detail, but I thought I agree with you. I thought that was a great answer.
1: Yeah, and actually, I did pull it up. It's already – they actually I already have the coaches film up, and I did pull it up, and I was watching – I went back and watched that play, and he's exactly right. Njoku stumbles coming out of the break, and he just got off him, and and Jarvis wasn't even open. Like, he just threw it. But he just threw it anyway. And great throw, great catch, great play. And Njoku did kind of catch himself, and he was open. But that was just – it was just – it was fascinating to watch it after listening to his answer. But when you're talking about Nick Harris, you know, when – uh when who who was it? Who's the backup that, that got hurt that fell down. Chris Hubbard? Got hurt. Play, yeah. Buckled yeah, yeah, yeah. Hubbard. When Hubbard goes down, I'm thinking, oh my God. And I think you even tweeted, I'm like, well, who's next on the depth chart? I don't even know. Yeah. At that point. Wyatt Teller's out, Hubbard's out. So Nick Harris comes in and I thought he was great. He gave up the sack to Dexter Lawrence early on. He got beat off the snap and just kind of got out muscled. But other than that, I thought he hung in there for a rookie getting thrown into it in his first real live action. Uh, I thought he handled himself really well for being like, you know, the third, fourth tack, fourth lineman on the depth chart. I can't recall the last time the Browns had that type of depth on the offensive line that, you know, you get this far down and you can throw a rookie in there who handles it. And listen, you know, one game does not make a career, but it sure has to make you feel good on Andrew Barry and, and just another notch in his belt from, from what they got out of that draft class last year.
2: Well, first, I, I w- want to go back real quick and say I'm no Kevin Stefanski, but if I was on the headset for one time, I would tell Baker, just throw it to Jarvis and not a Njoku, regardless of who's covering who. That's, that's always good. Um, that's good career advice. But, yeah, like, like, look, the Browns at full strength are a great offensive line. And the three games that Teller missed – They were the three lowest rushing outputs. Now, a lot goes into that. You know, one of them was the game that Baker went nuts and threw for 400 on the Bengals. So, they – you know, just the the shape of that game, right? But, yeah, you said it. I mean, for – they drafted Nick Harris because he's smart and because they they thought they trusted him. He did have some position versatility in his background. Um, And, frankly, I've sat and said all year, how are you going to take a backup center in the fifth round when this defensive personnel is not up to snuff? Well – You know, we don't know what's up with Chris Hubbard. He tweeted that he's okay. I I don't know what that means. I mean, Stefanski made it sound like he needs an MRI or further uh, testing on Monday. You know, we assume from the vibe of last week that Teller's out at least one more game. So, yeah, uh, you need guys to step up. And and that is the thing, man. In this league, it is so hard to make a run and keep your guys and to stay ready and to – stay ahead of the teams that see. Like we, we talked about abusing the Titans on the rollouts so the other two teams are blitzing off the edge to take away the rollouts, of course, right? It's always that that cat and mouse game. But for a guy who really had had no action and none at guard because he played center all a training camp because Treader was out, to go in yeah. and, you know, to hold up. I mean, look, if you picture the Browns losing to the Giants tonight, I mean, it, it really was going to take a lot of things. But one of them would have been, The Giants have a really nice defensive line. The Browns don't have their whole offensive line. And if they get themselves in bad spots with a turnover, with penalties, with whatever, well, they didn't. They stayed ahead. They drove it 95 yards. And on the second one, they got two penalties in the red zone and they still scored. And they scored with Nick Chubb, who had an otherwise quiet night, pounding it right ahead, right where the rookie's playing guard. So, so yeah, like – and I'll go back to – uh, and I will never get an answer from Stefanski, Andrew Berry, or anyone else. you wonder if they wish they'd have done something more with this defense at the trade deadline knowing that they were going to get this version of Baker in November and December, right? Because you you don't know. I mean, it looks like they're laying the foundation for a run of sustained success here. You don't know. But you know right now, Jason, that in a game where a hangover would have been understandable, where the other team needed to win – Right? And where you, you weren't at full strength and had to play a rookie except for two plays. Like those are things that in the past would be, we'd be writing about right now at 1:30 in the morning. This is why the Browns lost. Instead, we're saying the Browns are 10 and four. It was clinical, It was calculated, and like your whole expectation when they roll out to the field has changed. You just hit on something that I want to noodle on for a minute.
1: Do you think that do you think that the do you think that Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry and Paul DeBodesta are surprised by how much better they've gotten as fast as they've gotten there these last however many weeks?
2: Oh, you know, the way you word that is real interesting. Do I think in what I bet hundreds of dollars on it? Are they surprised that the Browns are ten and four? Yes. Are they surprised how much better they've gotten since, say, the bye week, since that's a good landmark? I don't know. I, I would say the expectation and the hope somewhere in between those two words would be that they would show this improvement, right? Um, you know, even when Baker wasn't playing well and things were uneven, like the hope was always that it works with this guy. We don't have, want to have to go back in the market, right? We, we've we built this roster to, to win now and do this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the thought was always we can make the playoffs. It'll be success if we make the playoffs. Let's do this. Let's see. So you're you're doing that, and you're on the doorstep of the playoffs while you're evaluating while you're growing. Surprised that that this offense has hit this gear? Probably because they evaluate every piece, and in the first six to eight games, it just it wasn't happening. Right? Um, satisfaction? No, because you still lost to the Ravens. Right satisfaction no because even though it's 92% or something according to 538 you haven't clinched you have another road game next week that's suddenly a hell of a lot more complicated than it was although it may be as good that the Jets finally won a game right but yeah like big picture what they're watching when Andrew Berry at seven o'clock on Monday morning sits there with the people that he trusts in the personnel department and they watch the film yeah I mean I think they're super encouraged by the growth and I think you know, they're talking about it in different terms, and they know what the plays are, and they certainly know more football than you and I do. But I sit there and think that they're talking about um, obvious things that the offense is doing that it wasn't able to do for various reasons, not just on the quarterback or not just on it being new, um, as recently as five, six weeks ago. So, so yeah, so I, I think pleasantly surprised to an extent is a fair way to answer that.
1: Because I don't think – they haven't made any win-now moves. Like, all the guys that they signed in free agency were – even the one-year deal guys. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They were all kind of young guys who could be around for a while. Like, they haven't made any moves of win-now. And I feel like that's going to change. And, you know, you mentioned the trade deadline. That could have been a good spot to add one of those guys to burn a pick and bring a linebacker in, bring secondary help in. And Going forward, I think it's going to be
2: more win now type moves. Is that you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, and listen, and it's fair to talk about because like Sheldon Richardson gets hurt tonight. We we don't know. Stefanski says the X-rays are negative. It was a neck injury. He he got kind of his neck snap back. He either hit someone's shoulder or knee while he was diving to make a tackle. Right. Um, like you got to have him for one to really win. You got to have a dominant defensive line. And, like, he's going to be 30 next year. He's under contract for 12-point-some million. Larry Ogunjobi doesn't have a contract for next year. Olivier Vernon doesn't have a contract for next year. Right now, they got nobody behind them. So it is fair to talk about all these big-picture things, right? Um, It makes this more special. Right now, this is special because the Browns used to be the Jets. We've established that. Because the Browns have not played in a playoff game since 18 Januarys ago. Right? But, like... You just never know what it's gonna be. And if you can get a group where where the offense is grooving and you got guys like Miles and Denzel that that can make game and seizing and franchise changing plays on defense if the ball comes their way or they put themselves in the neighborhood of the ball is maybe more like it, then hell yeah, you will enjoy it, appreciate it, and go for it and, and see what happens. I mean, Jason, I will not be the least bit surprised if in wild-card weekend the Browns give up 45 points and get drubbed. And yeah. I will also not be the least bit surprised if on wild-card weekend they don't unleash both running backs and then the play-action <laughs> game and score 45 in advance to the second round. I, I, I will not be surprised by either one.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: You know, I thought it was interesting. Chris Collinsworth mentioned tonight, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and he said the Browns are one of those teams that could score 45 and hang with the Chiefs. They've proven that. And, you know, I don't think that they're in that category yet, but it was fascinating to hear to me, one of the most respected minds in the NFL, kind of say, "Hey, you know, the Browns have the type of offense. You got to score points to to hang with Kansas City, and this is the type of team that could do it." I, I just I, that's just kind of like that's one of those things I'll follow away in the back of my head for a while. Um, but I don't know how we made it this far into the podcast and not talk about Freddie Kitchens and and the fake punt and Colt McCoy and all you know. As I wrote this morning on the Athletic. The ghost of Christmas, past, the ghost of Browns past, was rattling its chains at, at the city tonight. And there was a part of me that wondered, boy, can you imagine if Freddie came in here and won? What that would, what that would mean to him to beat the Browns as a play caller for a week? What did you make, I guess, of of the giant scheme of Freddie of the fourth down? That's got to come from above him, right? The fourth yeah. down punter, and, and and just and really also Baker's response to the question about Freddie and how he. I mean, I, I think he genuinely did like him. He obviously never liked you. I think it's a far different dynamic with Freddie. And I just thought he handled it well, answered it well, um, said he looked good, lost some weight, enjoyed talking to him. Just your impressions of of the return of Freddie.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know I tweeted about it. First, you're right. The, the, this, those decisions are made above his head. And I know I tweeted about it taking a shot at Freddie because that's just what the cool kids do, and I'm trying to be a cool kid, that's all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, that's I puzzling. It, so I'm just i mean, Jason, that's so puzzling, not only because we have hindsight and it didn't work and it looked like a wreck from the start, but I'll just tell you, all of those plays, anything that involves a fake punt, a fake field goal, the swinging gate, any of that, you put that in and you work on it, and it's based on something you see in how the other team lines up or who they run on and off the field for a fourth down, right? But every single one of those plays has an out call when you don't see that lineup you don't see that player they you don't see that read right and so it was doomed from the start and they went ahead and did it and like if you want to say go ahead and we we knew that we were going to be offensively challenged tonight and getting three on the first drive of the game wasn't going to do anything for us that's fine like Throw it in the end zone with your quarterback to put your punter out Wait. there and have guys run it and, and do that. Like, no, that has to be right now. We see what we've seen. We've either caught the Browns in a bad substitution or we know on this alignment that three guys go way left and we can run it right inside of them. Right. And as soon as you don't see that, that plays off. And like, you know, it, it, this is interesting because you can't win these arguments. Well, you can never win any argument on Twitter. Right. But like, I see later in the game, someone says, well, if the Giants would have just kicked the field goal, then they'd still be down three scores. And I get that. However, like, you have to know your team. That's why no chart developed by no nerd anywhere is ever foolproof. Because there's something to be said for the Giants saying from the start hey, we know we can't score, and like all we want to do is be down one score in the fourth quarter, and then if something crazy happens or then if one of our defensive tackles can swipe Baker and he doesn't see it, then we can win the game, right? So, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say on Freddie. I'm the same way. I liked Freddie as a person. I cringed a lot of Sundays last year. He was a non-factor tonight because the Browns were just so buttoned up and so dominant for two and a half, three – Three and a half quarters of that game that Colt and Freddie and with exception of two plays, Deion Lewis, I mean, those are just faceless, nameless guys, right? They play for the Giants, who were clearly the inferior team tonight, and the Browns handled their business.
1: How I know we're going longer than we probably normally do on a game that I didn't think we'd spend a whole lot of time <laughs> on, but how concerned should people be over Miles Garrett? He's tweeting after the game, F-COVID. I was telling one of our editors, you know, I was watching text text his first game back and like four snaps into the game. He had his hands on his hips. And I told Chris our editor, I'm like, this ain't good with Miles. Like he didn't have his wind, and I could just see him taking snaps off. And that's not a criticism. That's a this guy can hardly breathe. And then he would kind of he'd take like five plays off and then he'd explode on one and he'd get to the quarterback. That was a couple weeks ago. He's still obviously struggling. So let's—I mean, can we chalk up the Jets as a win next week? Would you sit him for the for the finale to try and get him well and rested? I know this isn't a normal, this isn't a muscle injury, right? And who knows where he's going to be seven days from now? But I'm telling you, man, if they can if they can clinch next week's against the, next week against the Jets, I would seriously consider consider resting Miles. And I know it's Pittsburgh, and I know you want to be Pittsburgh, but once you know you're in. Give that guy a week off and, and let him get as healthy as he can for the playoffs. Am I nuts?
2: You mean that finale where the Steelers are going to be clinched and they're going to play Mason Rudolph? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even think about that.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez! Yes, for the love of God, please rest miles. Um, please. Well, it's,
2: it's highly unlikely the Browns would be clinched next week. The Browns would have to win in the Colt. The way I understand it right now, the Colts, the Ravens, and the Dolphins would all have to lose for the Browns to be officially clinched.
1: Next oh, I thought they could clinch with a win next week, so no, never mind. So no. he's gotta play.
2: He's gotta play. Um, you know, he's said and, and I give him credit for being open and saying, like, this thing's kicking my butt. But also, it's week fifteen. Miles Garrett, even though he's not a normal human being, he is a human being and he's tired anyway. He's played a lot of snaps and a lot of football. And the Browns do in, in this the question you raise, the point you raise, is an interesting one and an important one because obviously the Browns are thinking about week seven, you know, past week seventeen, week eighteen, and beyond. And you need him, so yeah, I just think that you encourage Miles to, to get his rest and to do what he needs to do. And if that means he doesn't practice this week, or if that means that you can only get thirty snaps out of him, I mean. You, know, you gotta play Adrian Claiborne in Port Augustine, I guess. I, I I don't know, but it it's clear you're right. Just just from watching the TV, um, even if Miles didn't talk after the game as openly or or last Friday as openly as he did, you would say, hey, this is a guy that, that clearly doesn't have his his full gas right now, and that's concern. I don't I
1: don't wanna i I'm, I'm gonna toe the line here because I don't want to turn this political on a COVID thing. But there is a part of me that and and I'm I've been the guy all year saying play 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 we have to figure this out we can't stop life forever, but there is a part of me that's watching this man struggle to breathe, having coughing fits in the locker room. Part of me's kind of is like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, yeah. this man, why why is he out there? He's already taught. He's one of the most physically fit freak human beings you will ever meet. He's a specimen unto himself. And if if we know that COVID affects everybody differently. But if he's really still battling to this point, what are we doing here?
2: Um, I will nod at what you say. And I will further it by saying this. In the next 10 days, we have Christmas and we have New Year's Eve. And we have a bunch of 25-year-old guys who have a lot of fame and a lot of money and we're in the middle of this pandemic playing a season, a magical season by any measure. And we know that one contact means five days out and one positive test means two games out. We've seen that. Right. Yep. And yep. we're going to ask and hope and expect each and every one of them to not gather with their families, not have people from out of town, not go to restaurants, not go to bars, not go to parties. I mean, we don't know where the season's still going, right? Like, 92% says the Browns are in. All the vibes of tonight say the Browns are going to the playoffs. We don't know when they tee it up next Sunday, if they even do, who's going to be out there. We don't. So, yeah, you raise an interesting point. And, and you know, <laughs> we just – we just, I, I don't know. Like all these guys, I know Baker and his wife still, still participated in, in different ways and their charitable um, things they've done. You know, one of my favorite stretches of the year is when these guys do these things, um, these shopping events and things you, you often, from our perspective, can catch them outside of the locker room and with their guard down a little bit. And, You know, you write about the good deed, but maybe you get a chance to spend five or ten minutes with them. Well, like, they can't go to the – they can't do – they shouldn't go to these things, right? And so now, like, everything's here and all the Browns have worked for and all these odd circumstances have laid into a situation where if they just win two games, none of these scenarios matter. They get in and we've been over the fact they're dangerous as hell. But just like that stretch that was only two, three weeks ago when they had six positive tests in eight days or something like that. What when when you and I message in the morning about who's doing what or who needs to cover for who or when when are we available, what do I say? Well, we have to wait for the COVID tests every single day. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't know yeah. what it's gonna bring. And it's it's if you're really into this run and and it's been earned by everybody from the general manager and head coach on down. These are still some nervous, nervous moments ahead.
1: And and maybe we'll wrap here, but, you know, credit to the NFL. The, N- the NFL ain't stopping for nothing. Pandemic, no matter who gets sick. they made the Broncos play with no quarterback. It don't matter. Get out there. Get out there and play. We're playing. But credit to the league, because I remember you and I, like, almost laughing in April – Saying the Browns think they're gonna have a season, the NFL thinks it's gonna play ha ha ha. You know, baseball baseball had that outbreak with the Marlins the first weekend of games, and we're sitting looking at each other going, how are these guys gonna bleed, spit, and sweat all over each other? There's no way, there's no way this is gonna work. And by God, they got here. And you're right, we don't know what the next two weeks hold. We don't know who's gonna get sick for the playoffs. We don't know who's gonna be available and who's not tomorrow, let alone three weeks from now. But they made it. And credit to them, nobody thought they could make it without a bubble. Nobody. Nobody thought any of these sports leagues could go off without a bubble. And it's been bumpy, and it's been ugly, and they made the Broncos play without a quarterback. But by God, we made it. We were going to yeah. make it to the end of the season one way or the other. And, well, and I just think the NFL deserves some credit for that.
2: Yeah, and we'll get out of here on this note. Shout-out to really one of the unsung heroes of the team and of the league, J.C. Treder. Plays at a super high level plays his ass off, occasionally misses practice but never misses a game, never misses a snap, right? In the meantime, his wife is pregnant, and he's the NFLPA president, dealing hundreds of people a day on various issues, some of them minor, I guess, but all tied to the show going on, right, and the playoffs being two weeks away. And for him to have stayed his locked in, been as good as he's been on the field. Been a super important piece. No quarterback takes off without a center that he trusts, right, and that trusts him. Um, and done all that, I mean, that's it's damn impressive. And like I said, I just hope. Every, every morning when we get finally to 9.30 or 10 and there hasn't been a COVID test or a text from the Browns that practice is canceled today or, or whatever, it's great. I exhale. Like I've said many times, I've talked to people around the league and they say we hate every morning you know so this is different um but 10 wins is different (laughs) it sure is 92 percent chance to go to the playoffs it sure is and more nervous but exciting moments ahead because winning you're in um turn a ball over maybe you're not (laughs) right they didn't tonight they were sharp they were awesome um go to bed happy cleveland we'll talk to you soon